Welcome to Season 2 of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. We are so delighted that you have joined us again for this new, fresh episode. And this one's going to be a hot one. What do you think, Sua? I'm a little nervous. Yeah, you better be nervous because I'm interviewing you. That's why That's why you're you nervous. You said to me that you were going to interview me based on where the spirit leads, but I wasn't. you weren't clear on which kind of spirit. I'm going to be honest. I, I came up with some questions and I was trying to like maybe like come up with one or two questions that might lead us to have our first fight on air. Uh, Do you think that we might fight on air when I, I worked know. under you for five years and I never fought? That's true. That's true. That's true. But Actually, that's I, not true. I guess we did fight. No, I, have, quote I, unquote. Have, I have pissed you off a few times and you've had to have sit me down and talk to me. So, but how come um, you've so, never, yeah. but I have, have you been mad at me? No, not really. I don't know. Is it because I, you I, have all the power and I have none? <laughs> no, it's not. It's it. a power. It's a um, power, a power inequity. Issue. Yes. Uh, uh no no the only time I was I was disappointed with you was when uh you know when when you bought that rapper in from the Midwest or something like that and Are you really we spent go there an again? insane amount of money I feel like to bring be... that guy in and there was I only feel like one we should contract a minimum it. time of time that like you can bring that up so there's got to be like minimum three months in between yeah each time yeah because the wound might great. be fresh yeah. still in you but I was yes. just like what is that going so on here anyway so bad. Okay, so uh, I got a nice opening question for okay. us, and this might, and I want you to think through this because I, I, I have my answer. But if you could do a relational redo, who would it be? What does that mean? I don't like. Man, I kind of messed up this relationship, right? Like, I wish I could have. If I could have a redo, like I think I would do it this way, and I would do it. Oh, differently. I see. Oh, I you know have what I'm one. saying. Okay, you can go first. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I have two. One is oh, a bit two. more. Yeah, one's a bit more okay. fun. The other one's a little sad, all right? So I hope my, the audience doesn't judge me too much. But the first one is, I wish I would have been upfront when I was in sixth grade uh, about my crush with Sonny. Oh, I really Sonny wish. Tuscala. Sonny Triscalo. Triscala. Sonny Tr- no, Triscalo. Triscalo, if you're listening, I can't even spell that last name. Uh, you know, please, please uh, Why are we supposed to not us. do last names? I know, I know. But but I <laughs> she's just a figment of my imagination now. But... I wish if I could do a redo, I no actually in fifth grade, in fifth grade, when the teacher like asked, are there any volunteers who would like to be separated in class? Like, I really liked it, but I don't know why I just pointed to her and then she ended up separating us. I would really like to take that back and not say anything so that we could have sat together the entire year of fifth grade. And then in sixth grade, maybe then I could have confessed my feelings for her. And who knows? Maybe I could have dated Sonny. Maybe we could have had a romantic relationship. Who knows what could have happened? But I'm telling you, Sua, I know it was young. But boy, I had a crush on that woman. She, that girl, she was beautiful. As beautiful as it can be. And um, I really wish I would have had the guts to, uh, to confess my feelings. So if I could have a relational redo, I think that would be one. That would definitely be one of them. And, uh, you know, I don't really think about that much, but I was just thinking about that. I was like, that would be fun. I wonder what would have happened if we actually, you know, and then she moved away. And I think that would have devastated me. So maybe, maybe it was good that I didn't, I didn't actually, maybe it was actually good. Maybe it was God's that grace I, that you did yeah, not Maybe it was actually. a really good idea yes. that we were separated in fifth yes. grade and I didn't admit my feelings because I'm such an emotional guy. If she moved away, I would feel so hurt. And, uh, you know, back then there wasn't like, you didn't have phones or anything. So you'd have to call each other and, you know, calling is expensive. So yeah, we would, have, we would have, we would have to We had telephones. 
Because you said we had telephones. no phones. We had telephones. Yes, we, we had telephones. Have cellular phones. But telephones were so long distance was so expensive. So you like know, people the New York like the new generation understands that when we were growing up, we had to call the landline, like the family's yeah. line, and we would we just you know, I don't think the younger generation appreciates the kind of courage that we needed to like pick up the phone and that's dial right. a number and you have no clue who's gonna pick up it could be the dad like it oh, could gosh. be the dad who's like who are you all right and then so you have to like introduce yourself and be like hi i'm peter i'm looking for sunny like you have no idea so i gotta do a real confession here so you know so back in those days when all you had was a phone to communicate yes my father-in-law did not know that jenny was dating me and so uh -oh. we had to date in secret so there uh -oh. were a couple times i had to call i called and to see if she was around and he picked up the phone and I hung up on him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Sue, have you oh ever done gosh. prank calls before? Yes. You have? Um, you... What kind of millennial has not okay. done a prank who call? Who have you prank called? Who have you prank called? Just first name, if you need to, but just whoever. Oh, no, no. We wouldn't, I wouldn't prank call like actual people I know. What? Oh man, you know, now I feel really, really bad. Sue, that's I would... not a prank call. Prank no, call has I would... to be somebody that you know and you're pranking them. Like we would just my friends and I when we would hang out and have you know the equivalent of play dates back in the day we would just call like yellow pages and like call random oh, people and pretend that's, to be that's, like that doesn't count a real prank call is you got to call somebody who you know who you know yeah but and you gotta I prank think them. that you and I are also come from different generations and so yeah. my generation had caller ID. Oh yeah, no, no, not mine. So not I feel mine. like it's kind of hard to call people yeah. that you know because your phone number comes up. So we would, you know what, you know what I used to do. Like my friend, it was terrible. We would call our friends' parents. Like, like we would make sure like their parents would answer, and we would just be like, we'd yell, we say, we'd say some obscenities and stuff like that, and it was so much fun. I mean, it was so much fun prank calling. But anyway, think, but um, those were the days yeah. before there was caller ID. Yes. Prank calling was a real thing. You could actually do it can't do it anymore you really can't so when somebody calls you sorry this, we're completely veering off topic but when when you when when you get a call on your cell phone do you still answer with hello or do you answer as if like you already know who the person is oh i always answer like i know who the person is oh okay see that's yeah. odd right because i feel like at most gen xers that i know and even some millennials they don't they don't say hey what's up like they answer the phone saying hello mm. Which I feel like is what we used to do before we knew who people. Yeah, no, were, no, no, I don't do that. Well, if us. I don't know the number, then I will say hello. But if I know it, I'm like, hey, what's up? How I mean, you doing, when man? you call me, I, this is how I answer. Yes, what orthopedic problem may I help I you know, with today? I don't know why you say that. <laughs> listen, listen. Although, although I could talk to you know what, I might have to talk to John because I have some really my knees oh, are getting boy. messed up right I now. So you had tennis elbow, now your knees have tennis elbow and have gone? knee issues. So I, I might have to, yeah, I might, maybe I have to get an MRI on my knee. But oh, anyway, boy. so that was my first redo mm -hmm. if i can do that redo yes sunny triscalo man i think i think i would have liked to have had a little like, bit, beep, like the last a, name <laughs> a little bit of a romantic sixth grade crush relationship i think that would have been fun that would have been fun all right so a little bit more serious though if i could do okay. a relational mm -hmm. redo if i could really like if god said you can do one it would be my sister susan um, that would be my relational yeah. redo. Um, my sister susan grew up and i think i've shared this before on a, on a previous podcast but she grew up with a learning disability. She had a pronounced stuttering um, issue and things like that. And I, I don't feel like I ever represented her well when she came to church with me. Um, in many ways, I think there were, like growing up, I felt the sense of shame that yeah. we were siblings. Yeah. 
And many times when we would fight, um, I would, you know, like one of the ways and how I would usually like win the fight was I would just, you know, say awful things about, you know, how she's not smart and all that stuff. So um, it would be and then I would mimic her stuttering. And and I think part of I think I still live with a little bit of guilt because I taught a workshop back in um, last week. I was in Jacksonville and I was sharing a little bit with my sister and I just started crying again. And so I think mm -hmm. it's still kind of fresh. Yeah. I think I do regret it because I think in some ways I did contribute to her not being a Christian today. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why Metro, the, the, this whole idea of commonality being our weakness is so passionate for me because it's something that's really personal. And uh, if I could do a redo and, you know, I've talked to her about it, I've apologized. She's always forgiven me. You know, she's so she's she's excellent in terms of like, you know, we, we have a good relationship. But I think when she was growing up, there were some really hard times for her and she never was able to really express it. And um, yeah, and, and I think in many ways, I felt like she was like a burden to me because she always wanted to hang out with my friends because she didn't have friends. Yeah. And there were times where I just would go downstairs and I would just like hurry out and leave the, leave the house so that she wouldn't be like, Hey, can I come with you? Mm -hmm. uh, because oftentimes growing up, she just, you know, her friend was her television. That's all she did. She just stayed home and watched TV all day. And so I, I felt really bad for her. And so if I could do a redo, that would be my relational redo it was how, how I treated my sister and knowing what I know now, um, where I'm at now, I would love to have, you know, been a better, um, a little brother to her. So I think that would be the redo that, that, uh, I would love to do if I had a chance. What do you think that would have looked like? So uh, I think it would have been, you know, just even like to the point where I can just pull the youth pastor aside and say, Hey man, do you mind just not calling on her to read scripture? And do you mind also, do that? I don't know. just also like knowing like, you know, if, if, if we go in order, like reading scripture verses, like, you know, it's going to come to her. So could you be a little bit more sensitive and maybe just tell people like, hey, can you read this and, and then exclude, you know, Susan out? That would be one. You know, number two, I think is involve her more in my own social circles. And, my, and you know, she did. She hung out with our, you know, some of my friends and mm -hmm. stuff like that. She got to know some of my friends, sisters and and stuff. But I think I could have involved that her a little bit more in that. And But I think the biggest thing would be that when we would fight, um, my whole family, and especially my parents, they really they didn't you know they didn't say you know like hey you know you're stupid and stuff like that all the time. But they made her feel like that. They made her feel like she couldn't right. do anything because she had a you know she had a learning disability. She stuttered and stuff like that. Although she was still pretty highly functional. I mean, she held jobs. She worked at like grocery stores and you know CVSs and stuff like that. She even got employee of the month one time hmm. working. It wasn't a CVS. It was called Genevieve's back in the day. Oh my um, gosh! Wait, there's a jingle for Genevieve's. Oh, is there? Okay, so what Genevieve, she worked there, was in Fort Lee, and she became employee of the month. And I remember my mom was so proud. But however, like my parents just always felt like in some ways, like she would live, you know, because of her disabilities and, and being in the Korean culture that she's not going to be able to marry a Korean guy. She's not going to be able to do this, this, this. So like they just kind of like laid it out and made her feel like she's very much so a lesser than kind of a person. And I, I think I only, you know, uh, fed into that and so i think i could have stuck up for her more and i could have tried to help her and just be like you know and i'm younger so maybe it was it would be harder but just saying susan you can go and do what you want to do with your life you know like and um you know and just and give her that give her that vote of confidence but i think that kind of stayed with her for a long time and you know the only community that really that she connected really well with was actually the black and the latin community they really embraced her why and that's why that was the case I, you know i just think in asian culture particularly korean culture everything is based on your intellect 
right? Like our social settings and our social connections are basically, you know, defined oftentimes by kind of like, you know, are you smart? Are you able to, you know, are you, are you know, like we, 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 I think Asians or Koreans, they really wonder what school did you go to? What kind of job do you have? Everything's about success. And I think that because that's such a big part of it. And I, I just don't think that they are also comfortable in dealing with somebody with a disability. Honestly, they just don't because we don't we don't grow up in those kinds um, of, of, of of sort of a background because there's so much shame. And if that happens, then oftentimes those people are like the black sheep, you don't really know them. You don't see them even in like a lot of social settings. But um, you know, because we lived in an apartment complex and like all majority of her friends were, you know, and her husband's Puerto Rican. So the black and Latin community just really welcomed and loved her. And she just loved being a part of that community, you know, and stuff. And so um, I'm grateful for that. Uh, I'm really grateful for that. But I, I just wish um, I could have a redo on that. And who knows, maybe, you know, through through that, you know, she could have been able to connect with some more Korean people, you know, and stuff like that. So and most of all that. You know, she might, she might have, I can't guarantee it. She might be a Christian today. You know, she might be a Christian today. So, so I think that would be my redo. That would be my redo. So, yeah, that so that's deep. me, Sua. What about you? Mine is not as deep <laughs> um, or substantial. I feel like I feel a little bit ridiculous. Like one of the, one of the story. Daniels, is it the Daniels or the Davids? Or who, who, who no, are the guys? Daniels. Daniels I, there was yeah. not a single David in my line. Okay. Of, Daniel, um, Daniel. Yeah. Romantic interests. All Daniels. They were all Daniels. Um, However, I, that does not mean that I liked every single Daniel I've ever okay. met. So if your name is Daniel and you know me, it does not mean that I had a crush on you. Please simmer down. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> You're so crazy. Simmer uh, down. <laughs> um, okay. So I will tell you two, but they're kind of same okay. because it's like very similar types of patterns that I used to exhibit in my life. Okay. So one thing about me that my mom would always be um, complaining about is in Korean, she would say like chong which means like chong is this type of like affection oh, yeah, that a person has yeah. that's yeah. not really love. It's not really like, like it's something kind of deeper. It's just something, it's like a connection that you develop between two people. And it's, it's interesting because there's no equivalent word for it in the English vernacular, but mm. it's more like, um, it's interesting because for example, you could hate somebody, but if you live with them for a long time, sometimes they say you can develop this chung, where like it could be born out of like love, but it could also be born out of just two people living in proximity with each other. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, so I can't like coworkers yeah. sometimes have chung, um, even if you just like don't really like that yeah. person. I'm not really sure how to explain. Yeah, it. there is no English word. Yeah, to there's describe no that. English word for it, but it's like this lasting connection that a person develops with another person just by the fact that you've spent time like a prolonged period of time with yeah, each other yeah. but my mom would always be like you don't have any and i think what she meant was because um i think she would say that because i'm not a very affectionate person um and i also don't express my emotions for people very openly so i may care about you but i would never really sit there and say i i, I like you so much like mm -hmm. you're so important to me and you know what no that's not true i think i've gotten a lot better at it mm -hmm. but i used to really be bad at it in okay. my younger years and i would say like my teen early 20s um and so so how does that there are a couple of times yeah. in my life yeah. where i've just cut out people and i've never looked back um like i just broke up with them but it wasn't romantically it was just like people in my life oh so somebody from the opposite sex no 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 so oh, it wasn't okay. like it was like friendships okay where friendships. they would disappoint me and i would be so upset with them that mm. i would just end the relationship and i never talk to them again like i just wow. them. 
But wow. they knew that I was mad at them. It wasn't like I just randomly stopped picking up their phones. Right, I told right, them I right. don't want to be friends anymore. Yeah. Like I'm done with you. Okay. Um, and I have the first instance, you know, maybe I'll just tell you the first one because it's pretty similar. The first instance with a, a friend that I had, um, and I'm not going to go into too much detail because I think people can probably kind of. I want to know. Together. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to. Well, you wouldn't know. Figure. You don't know. I don't this know this person. It's during okay. college. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah. It's during college, but this person I was best friends with, like best friends with. It, they were so close to me that when I got married shortly after this incident happened, people were like, wait, this person is not your bridesmaid? Um, like that's how mm. close I was with this person. Mm. I spent so much of my college days with this person. Um, but I remember there was, it's gonna sound, now it sounds so stupid. So there was one time um, that, she and I and another friend, the three of us were really, really good friends. Okay. And it was the birthday of that other friend, not my, the friend that I disowned, but the other friend. Okay. So we had a birthday dinner. Yeah. And at that birthday dinner, she got really, really drunk and started, I basically spent the entire dinner complaining to me about me, um, which to me was fine if she had chosen a different time to do this. So could you share with me what are like one or two like salient points that she complained about you and that you remember that? Well, it was mostly off? about how I don't care about her. I don't okay. tell her what she means to me. Oh, okay. Um, okay. When she calls to complain to me about the woes in her life, I'm very dismissive saying mm -hmm. that those, they're not really that big of a deal. I need to just suck it up and get over it, which I did totally tell her because wow. I felt like the things that she was complaining to me about had no merit. Um, like mm -hmm. I was like, these are not real problems. These are first world problems. Like you need to yeah. just suck it up and like figure yeah. it out. Um, because I, once again, I have very little patience for pe people who complain about things that they can do on their own instead of trying to do it. They just complain and it really drives me nuts. But, you would, but yeah. juxtapose that with this also, like you have also like, you don't want to, like you like, you don't want to disappoint people too. Also, you know, like you like, you kind of have like that people pleasing thing. So this is a little shocking that you were willing to be that honest with her about stuff like that. Well, no. So for example, um, she was about to graduate, um, and she was looking for a job. Yeah. And she would call me during my lunch breaks when I was working. Um, I was an intern at a pediatric oncology, like bone yeah. marrow transplant division. And she would call me during my lunch breaks. And she would spend the 45 minutes of my lunch break complaining to me about how she's not going to be able to find a job. And I would say to her, have you looked for jobs? And then she would say, no, but I just know. And this would mm -hmm. drive me up the wall ah. because I'm like, if you haven't looked for jobs, then don't complain to me gotcha. about not finding a job. Yeah. She was yeah. just trying to convey to me like her emotional state. Mm -hmm. But I was like, unless you're doing something about it, I'm not listening to this. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I have zero tolerance for this. And so apparently, according to her, and I don't actually remember this, this sounds such an a-hole-ish thing to say, but she said that one time she called me and she was upset because she couldn't find a job. And I said to her, well, I'm sorry, but I got to go because I have kids dying of cancer. So I need to, I have no time for this. Like, apparently this is what I said to her. Probably did. I you're mean, just trying to tracks. keep it, like, it tracks. keep it real. That's all. Yeah, but I mean, I don't really think that's like being a good friend either. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think part of so being a good friend is meeting times. people where they wow. are. Wow. But my issue with her was not that she was upset about these yeah. things. My issue with her was that she was so selfish and immature that she yeah. would choose another friend's birthday dinner to usurp that birthday party yep. and do this, like, and ruin her birthday. Like, I was yeah. so mad at her for that. Like, I was like, 
this is between you and me. Why are you bringing this third friend into it? We were supposed to celebrate her birthday today and you were seriously getting drunk and making it all about you. And I was so turned off. Like I was just so turned off by her because I was like, you're so self-centered. Yeah. Um, And so the whole time I'm just sitting there listening because I'm like, what am I going to do? Like fight with her during someone's birthday. I'm trying to like reroute, but she's so drunk that she's completely unable to be rerouted. And then we're walking out of the restaurant. She's like stumbling all over the place because she's very drunk. And then she starts hitting me. Like she starts like hitting me because she's <laughs> mad at me. And like, um, I, I'm literally like, my other friend's just like, what is, ha-? like she's standing there like, what is happening? And I'm like, what is going on right now? Right? Wow. So anyways, we got her on like a cab. We sent her home. And then I'm sitting, like, I come home and I'm just sitting there like, what do I do about this? But at that point, I just felt like I couldn't muster up the affection for that friend anymore. I was so turned off by how self-centered and immature she was acting, um, selfishly and immaturely she was acting. Like, I couldn't do it. So I literally, she called me the next day to apologize because obviously she realized like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing she was very stressed out. Like she was just venting. I'm not sure. So she called me and I told her, let's meet up one time. I met up with her. I remember we met up right near 34th street. And I told her, I don't think I can be friends with you anymore. Like I mm-hmm. just can't like, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest, I told her the reasons I don't want to invest my time in a friendship yeah. with somebody who I don't feel like is somebody that I want to walk with anymore like i have very little disposable time i'm busy i don't want to spend my time like this with you so why do you want why would you want to redo that relationship i think it was not loving (laughs) what i feel like i feel like there's a way to end relationships and i feel like because after that she called me multiple times and i just let it go to voicemail i never called her back and i feel like that was not after four okay. years of friendship, I just don't okay. think that was a loving way yeah. to end something. But, you know, I think what people don't realize is that in order for a friendship to really be healthy and, and and do well, respect has to be there, right? That's so integral for a friendship. And so that's why, honestly, like, you know, that's why if, if you can't respect your friend, they won't be a friend anymore. And that's the reality. You can't expect your friend uh, to continue to be your friend if they're starting if they disrespect you. So, so. I agree, but I, I think I don't I don't disagree with the decision ultimately. Yeah. But I disagree with the way I handled gotcha. it because I was extremely Pharisaical and very unloving about Well the you are a little bit of a Pharisee. Well, I, mean, I, was, kinda, I, you know. I still have some Pharisaical. Okay. So that's why I say when looking back on it, again, I don't regret okay. ending of the friendship. All but right. I think the way I could have handled it could have been a lot more loving and humble than the All way right. I actually handled All it. All right. Is there another one or is this that was that it? Another very similar case. I had a friend from college who I was hanging out with one time and uh, we were at the we were at the Time Warner Center. We were eating at the Bouchon Bakery. I still remember exactly the scene. We were sitting there and she says to me, Sua, I just feel like people in life get what they deserve. This is what she said to me. Um, this particular friend has very wealthy parents who for her college graduation gift, they gave her a New York City apartment in South Street Seaport. Okay. Wow. Um, she has never struggled in her life. She has never worked for a thing in her life. And she says to me, I think people in life get what they deserve. Wow. I was so upset, but I was like, 
I remember being like, okay, what do you mean by that? And she was like, well, I think that if people are successful and rich, it's because they work for it. And if people are poor and they don't have like Ooh, food or whatever, here it's we because go. they here didn't go. work for it. It's because yeah, they're lazy. That's a sensitive nerve for you. You're not going wow. to just say, okay. <laughs> so then I was like, I started just, I lost my crap. And I just went off on her and I said to her, you know, I work with children. One of my patients is 11 and this is his fifth relapse in cancer. He's probably going to die. Do you think he did something to deserve this? And then her answer was, well, I'm not a social worker, so I don't know about those things. Wow. And I was like, you're 23 and this is your worldview. And you can say this to me without feeling any sense of embarrassment that people in life get what they deserve. That's terrible. I was so upset. I was oh. so upset. Um, you're still upset. I could tell you, like, you, no, you're, I was, I was like, wow. Yo. Like, I was like, how can somebody say this without yeah. feeling even an yeah. ounce of like, oh, maybe? Do you know what well, I mean? Like, she was fully convinced that this yeah. was the case. Well, twenty three. That's you know, I mean. So why would you want to redo that relationship? Why would you want to redo on that no, one? But I was that, really mean. I was really yeah, mean about had, how I ended it. But you almost had to like be so honest and truthful in that way and to show her like you're crazy. So No, but then after that I ghosted her too. So when she would call me, I would just ignore her and I think she called me for a few months and I just completely ignored her. Right. And but I feel I like that wasn't be, the way I would want to be friends with with people like if that Jesus, either, so ghosted me every time I wouldn't understand something that he tried to teach me. <laughs> I feel like I would be, oh, in the words man. of the passage I read, sending my soul to Sheol or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I feel like as I get older and I realize how much oh. God has waited for me and the patience that he has had with me, I think it's very difficult for them to me to look at those situations and say, at 23, it was worth ending in that really mean and aggressive way you know what's so you know what's so uh if if anyone wants to get you angry or get on your bad side they just have to say a statement like that like an injustice type of statement like that that'll just get your blood boiling which is which is i couldn't believe that she could say that to me with a straight face you know what you know i would really struggle with that too if somebody said that um if, if one of my friends said that and i'd be like yeah, I don't know if I could actually be friends with you anymore because that's just not that's just not right. So she was so privileged. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. Have you ever had uh, friends like? Have you ever had a friend who liked the guy, but that guy ended up liking you instead? Have you has that ever happened to you? No. No. Okay. All right. I'm thinking that, that could be ugly. No. That could be super ugly. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I got some. So we're going to dedicate the rest of this kind of like this. This is going to be fun, but I'm not going to answer any of it because these are questions that I have for Sua. Sua spent, we spent two episodes where Sua kind of interviewed me about certain things about the church, ministry, leadership, things like that. But I had some just questions that I wanted to ask you so that our audience can kind of get to know you a little bit more, but also perhaps maybe even glean a little bit on your wisdom or lack thereof. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but uh, I thought this would be fun. I thought this would be fun. And I think more than that, I think it'll hopefully give our audience a little bit of uh, a sort of an insight into you. All right. So, and some questions that I have, I mean, it might take you some time to think through. So we'll give you that time. But the first one, it's not going to take you very long. Okay. So you recently got the gift of tongues. All right. You recently I, got I the knew gift you of tongues. Like, of bring course. This into of course. This. I was going to say this. All right. So you recently got the gift of tongues. Your mother really helped you in that. Thank you. Uh, so thank you got, you. yeah, thank you, Mrs. Lee for that. All right. Thank hey, you. You Oni. know, my maiden name. That is very impressive. What? Come on. 
That's very because you, you I was mean? a Huang by the time you met me, I think. Oh no, no, no that's not you true. were that's a Lee. Not, you were still I was single. Lee. That's right. Yeah. That I right. think you were dating John, but you were still single. Yeah. That's right. So Sue Lee. Anyway, so so can I ask you now that you've had this gift for the last couple of months? What has has there been a difference between now that you've been sort of you have the gift of tongues, you speak in tongues, there's been like this sort of this incredible feeling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so has there been a noticeable difference in you? And what does that difference look like? Or if not, then yeah, just share, you know what? Not really. But I would love to know, and I think our audience would love to know, I think this would be great. Like kind of, you recently got the gift of tongues, you speak in tongues, but so like how has that enhanced your spiritual relationship with God and even your relationships with other people? Or has it not? I feel like it's, interesting to think about me getting the gift of tongue because i don't know about you although i guess you got it very early on in your christian yeah. walk um most of the people that i know who have the gift of tongue are christian like korean christian adults yeah because if you've grown up in a korean christian church you know that they have that thing called like which is like early morning service mm -hmm. and all these people come and they all pray in tongue you, you Not all of them. About. They just uh, yell, chuyaw, chuyaw. They do, yeah, but I just remember being surrounded yeah. by a variety of languages that I just could not understand. Okay. And everybody does it just so loudly. Yeah, um, yeah. Koreans love to shout when they pray. We're, we're very loud people. Our culture Yeah, is and I feel loud. like a lot of the people, like, for example, like my mom got the gift of tongue very early in her walk with Jesus. Okay. So did my dad. Um, They've had it as, like, before I was born. So all wow. my life, I've heard my mom and my dad speak in tongue. Like, wow. tongue in the, like, wow. themselves. And so um, it's weird for me because I would say I've been a Christian at least two decades at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and so the fact that I've been given this gift now, I feel like is interesting yeah. compared to how my parents explain it to me. Yeah. Wait, what, what were you going to say? No, I think that's great. I, you know, because I think you can get it later in life. It's not just you get it earlier on, but you can get it later in life. So that's good. Um, for me, it was really wild because um, I grew up, maybe it's because I grew up in a Presbyterian tradition. Maybe it's because I grew up in an American Western Christian tradition. Reform like, tradition. Just it say never, reform yeah, yeah, tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, did you hear that joke about like how the the automatic sensor lights shut off in the Presbyterian churches every Sunday because nobody moves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, that's kind of the tradition I mostly grew up in. They certainly don't believe in tongues. So yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, or they do because like it's in the Bible, but it's not something yeah. that's like very encouraged. It's just kind of like, yeah. you know, well, it, it could happen, but you know, let's not, you know, mm -hmm. dwell too much on that. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was really wild because even though I had a biblical understanding of speaking of tongue, obviously I had seen people do it. Mm -hmm. For me, I think I've I came to the place where I was kind of like, yeah, but I don't know if God really does that anymore. Like I'm not, I'm not one of those Christians. Like I'm much more of an intellectual Christian and the brand of Tim Keller and Redeemer, like the New York City Christians. Like that's just not you're the white collar Christian. I, I mean, like <laughs> kind of like. I'm like the liberal elite Christian, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. That was and you actually have white collar on right now, so actually, I'm literally you well. wearing a white collar. Yeah. No, so I think I had just stopped believing that that was something that I it was for me. Yeah, yeah. And then about a year before I actually had my mom pray for me and I got it, I started feeling like I wanted it. Really? Like I really started feeling like why? And, why? You know what? It wasn't so much like specifically about the gift of tongue. It was more like. I started wanting something more, more of like God. I started mm -hmm. feeling like mm -hmm. in my faith, like, God, there's got to be more than this. It was great. 
You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Like, yeah, absolutely. Because I think there comes a certain point in your faith where you feel like, is this, is this it? Like you come to realize like when you're reading the Bible, even like my children's Bible that I would read with my kids, you would start noticing a discrepancy um, in terms of the life that the disciples and Jesus lived and the life that you live as a Christian now. Mm. And yes, you can factor in, well, that was 2000 years ago and the context was entirely different. But it can't like you just start feeling like there's yeah. gotta be something more than this. Yeah. Like it's it can't just be this, you yeah. know. And so I really started feeling this very restless feeling of like I w- I didn't feel settled in my faith. And so I remember distinctly, um, I was reading the storybook Bible, the, the Jesus storybook Bible with my yeah. kids, and we were getting we read the part about the apostles, um, in the like getting the um the pen like at the at Pentecost, yeah, yeah. At Pentecost, yeah, Pentecost the holy yeah. fire, like everybody had yeah. a fire. And that was the Holy Spirit coming to dwell in us because Jesus promised he would send us the comforter. Yeah. I just remember feeling like, I don't know if I have this. Like, mm. I don't know what this looks like in my life. And I was yeah. very convicted. You know, I just remember reading it. And that whole night after I read it with my kids, put them to bed and I came into my bed, I was lying there saying, God, like, do I do I have this? Am I living this out in my life? Like I know the Bible stories. I know the verses. I try to live my life in a way that pleases you. I just don't feel Mm -hmm. like I could go out and do the things that Jesus did with his disciples and that the disciples did after. And you told them you could do it because of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So it wasn't like they only did it with Jesus. Jesus left. And then he was like, I'm going to send you something better. Like watch this. And then they were able to do all of the things that Jesus did. But I don't feel like I'm doing the things that Jesus did. Yeah. And that's where I feel like was the discrepancy. And I started saying, I want something more. Okay. Not sure. I don't think the gift of tongue is necessarily the culmination of that. Yeah. But I think it was the beginning for me in the sense that I felt like God was saying to me, I can't do any of these things if you're going to put me in a box. Yeah. Like okay. I can't do these things if you've already written me off as God stopped doing all of these other things back then. That's yeah. back then. Yeah. And now we have an intellectual religion where we yeah. don't do any of those things. Like if you limit my ability saying there's no way that's real, that's weird mm. stuff, I can't do it. You know, mm-hmm, and I think it mm-hmm. started with me giving getting the gift of tongue where I was like, what the heck is this? Because yeah. I'm not thinking when I'm doing it, right? But it's real. And so I think it's the beginning, to yeah. be honest. Okay. So, but have you noticed a difference, like just in your prayer life, in your connection with God that now, like now today, because you have, you speak in tongues versus the times when you didn't, Uh, do you feel like that feeling or that, that longing that you had, that something that else that you needed more of God, do you feel like that sort of now has been satisfied because of it? Um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a satisfaction. I think to me right now, it feels kind of like a momentum. Like, okay. I feel so like you definitely sense some momentum. I do sense some okay. momentum, especially because um, things in the Bible that never made sense to me are starting to kind of get interesting. Nice. Um, I would not ever really sit there and like, so for example, I want to read the Bible more than I have to read the mm-hmm. Bible. And when I read the Bible, things stick out to me more so than they used to back like before when I should just read mm. kind of a rudimentary, like um, kind of prosaic way. Like I kind of, I'm like, what is that? Like a lot yeah. of this happens where I'm reading the Bible and I'm like, wait, what is that? Yeah. Uh, like little things like, yeah. um, and I'm going to tell you, you're a pastor. So you're going to be like, 
oh, that's so elementary. But like even recently, I was reading about the story of Joseph and there were so many random things that I had never noticed before that I was, it just kind of, I stop and I say, what is, what is that? Mm-hmm. Like, um, like Joseph's robe being dipped in blood was very strange for me. And I, and then it reminded me of something that I read in Revelations at the end of the year. Like things are starting to connect hmm. where I feel like they didn't before. And it's a lot more interesting now to read than it was before. I don't wow. know if that makes sense. Also, I love listening to, I listen to even more Tim Keller sermons now. <laughs> you mean the old ones because he's no longer preaching I listen sermons, to like yeah. five a week. Hmm? Yeah. I love yeah. Tim Keller stuff. Um, could you give us a demonstration? Of what? Your tongue. No. No? Okay. All no. right. I just, it's I thought weird, maybe you TV. might. All right. No. All right. <laughs> You're so okay. bad. All right. Here, I here. wouldn't even show John yet. What? You got to show John. He wants me to John. do it. And I'm like, no. You got to show John. No, I'm like, this is no. no, you got to show John. All right. Like, so like, didn't they say you shouldn't do it in like public places? But you're not in public places with this John. Is public. Oh, okay. All right. Fine. Yeah. No, no, give it. And I'll try to give an interpretation. Do you interpret John's? No, no, are you I'm lying? Playing. Oh my I'm gosh. You're so bad. I am so bad. But here's the other thing. You know what's so bad about you? Dude, just answer the question. That was the I'm only gonna get to two questions if you take this long and answer one question. There's girl. so much to say. No, you, you started with answer. a bomb. I wanted to know the difference before and after. I was like, oh my god. I, I'm only gonna get to like two questions today. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's not. I I, I want to get to these. I want to get to these. All right. So anyway, my other question I have for you is this. As a, a lay person. Why do you think it's so difficult for people, Christians today, who actually do believe in God? Why do you think it's so difficult for them to fully give themselves all to God? Right? When I say all to God, like they're just not really willing to sacrifice for God. They're willing to believe in Him, they're willing to go to Him when they need things. But why do you think the element of sacrificing for the one you love in our Christian faith, which is God, Jesus Christ? Why do you think it's 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 um it's so scarce? Why do people struggle with that so much? Because when you love someone, don't you want to naturally like sacrifice for them? So I I just want to get your thoughts on that. Just as a lay person, what do you think are some of the things that hold people back? Well, I feel like that's two different questions though because the first question you asked was why do people have difficulty believing in God? And I think that's a different question than asking why do people have a no 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 I no no I don't think people find it too difficult to believe in God I think I think people find it too difficult to sacrifice for God so and and that that to me is like you know I mean Jesus says if you want to follow me you got to pick right. up a cross and follow me I just don't think people are willing to do that they're willing to like you know believe in God for the benefits package but they don't want to believe in like a God I mean they don't want to believe in this God that's requiring them to give their whole lives up so you I know, think that's the um, big thing. Sometimes I think about the fact that I believe that this man died and he was fully God, fully man, and mm-hmm. he literally came back to life three days later. Yeah. And I sometimes can't write, wrap my brain around the fact that I believe this mm-hmm. when I can't even believe my children when they tell me they didn't like spill the milk on the table. And I'm like, yeah. you're a liar. Like, I, I can't believe because I'm such a skeptic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. really wild to me that I believe that. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's got to be a supernatural thing that I can actually believe. Because yeah. I believe it. If you ask me, do I really do? I genuinely believe 100% this happened. But yeah. that by itself already to me is a supernatural act of God because mm. I don't know how that comes to me as fact. Now, the second part of that is I don't necessarily think. And can you please question my theology on this if you think this is wrong? Because I don't want it to be heretical. 
I feel like there's a, there's a difference between people believing in Jesus's death that like he died for my sins and I've been forgiven okay. versus then people living the second yeah. part of it, which is the resurrection. So what? I have, for, mm. okay. Okay. That's so good. I, for example, like I think that a lot of people, if you say, did Jesus die for your sins? They will say yes. Yes. But if you say to them, now, do you feel like you're walking in the power of the resurrection? They'll say no. Yeah. Because they still so feel why? like. Why? That's what I want to get to. What do you think is the reason that's calling people, that's holding people back from doing that? Because in order to, to, to live in the resurrection, yeah. Yeah. you got to give yourself fully to God, right? So right. like, why? That's great. I, I love you to You know, um, my opinion on it is that they haven't died to themselves. Mm. Like, mm. as you like to say also recently, like Pete Scazzaro, your mentor told you this. Mm -hmm. I know it's not a one-time process, but yeah. I don't think it's ever happened. Like, I don't think people have ever become new because they want to be a new creation, but that also intrinsically means you've got to die first. Like, you can't become a new creation if you don't die. Dang, I think girl. people want to bring all the stuff that they still want to keep about themselves and then say, can you fill in the blanks? Yeah. They don't ever want to fully yeah. 100% die and then become Jesus. Yeah. You know? And so I yeah. think if you bring... So ultimately, it comes down to the fact that people, I don't know if people truly have repented, like yeah. I have friends who repent, or even for me, it's much easier for me to repent of various sins that I've committed, but it's very hard for me to accept sometimes that my entire being was separated, like all of me was sin. I yeah. was dead. So yeah. if you say to me, oh, well, that time you lied to your friend or that time you cheated on a test, those are the sins that Jesus died for. It's much easier for me to accept. But if I hear there was nothing redeemable about me, like I was just dead in my sin. I was separated completely. The instinct to me is, to, well, I'm not all bad. Like yeah. some of me is good. Like, uh, clear, yep. I mean, surely yep. Yep. not everything needs to die about me. And I think that's kind of the thing is like, if you're mm. only, if you're only repenting to Jesus about the surface sins and not understanding that we were dead in sin, like we had original sin, like we were already born in sin and had no ability to reach God, I think you're getting a really limited version of Jesus's death and resurrection. I don't know if this is making any sense. I love it. Sua Huang. Spiritual Does this make guru. sense? I don't, is Absolutely. this more theology? No, no, it makes great. Okay. You're, you're very much so. You have the theology of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which is an ultimate, com uh, ultimate compliment. Because Bonhoeffer writes, he says that there's a difference between Christians and disciples, right? Mm -hmm. Christians are barely going to make it to heaven. Like barely. They're going to be like, whew, that was close, mm. right? The disciples are the ones who are willing to die and do whatever it takes. And they're going to be the ones that get the mansions in heaven. I think one of the things, at least for me, now maybe I am answering this question. I just don't think people really believe that there's treasures in heaven. Mm. I I don't think people really believe that they're, that they're going to actually get rewards when they die based upon how they live their life for Jesus here. And I think people just want to just get to heaven and that's it. But, you know, heaven is going to be an amazing place, but it's going to be a place where people will get rewarded based upon how they live their life yeah. here. Yeah. And that's what Jesus keeps saying. Why do you store up your treasures here on earth? You know, where moth and vermins and all that stuff can destroy it. Store up your treasures in heaven because that's forever. That's eternal, you know, and stuff. And so, like, why would you want to be like super wealthy here in this world? Because you're only you're going to die in 80, 85 years. Why not store your treasures in heaven? I don't think people really believe in that. Because if people truly believed in it, you know, people would. I mean, we have the, we have an amazing capacity to do whatever we take, whatever it takes, to be successful in this country. 
and uh, and even Christians. And if we can just realize the treasures in heaven that we're going to receive based upon us giving our lives to God, I think I think I think people would take it potentially more seriously as well, and and understand that that God loves us that much that He's willing us you know give us treasures in heaven in that way. But too many of us are fine are, are trying to ask God to give us treasures on earth. And I think God is probably up there saying, like, why? Why do you just want all these treasures on earth? Don't you want treasures in heaven? And to get that, you have to really give all of yourself to it. So, okay. I think to to piggyback on that, though, um, I also feel like that plus the fact that because I I just don't want people. And I know that's not what you're saying, but because for a long time, I believed in my Christian walk that everything that mattered would ultimately be in heaven. And right now it's not really that important. Um, I think God reveals himself to us even now. Like, you know, yeah. like I know people like to say like all the way to heaven is heaven, right? Um, like we can get glimpses of heaven now. And yeah. it's not just an insurance policy for us to go to heaven and get like what's actually good. And the reason why I say that is because like recently I was um I was li- listening to this song. It's a Christian song a really long time ago. It's from like the 80s, I think, um, where this Korean Christian like she's not a singer because so this lady in Korea wrote the song and she has really, really bad cerebral palsy. She was born with cerebral palsy. Mm. So she can, she passed away like in the past 10 years, she couldn't write, but she would, it would take her like, it's just, she can't like talk. Like she has cerebral palsy. Right. But she wrote this song. If you look at her, she's always contorting Mm. her body, like to say one word. She can't even really articulate her thoughts clearly. She wrote this song where basically the the premise of the song is, I don't have the wealth others have. I don't have the intellect that others have. Mm -hmm. I don't have the physical health that others have. But I have something that they don't have. Mm. And then the chorus of the song is, you know, the just and righteous God. I'm getting really emotional. Mm-hmm. The just and righteous God has given me what others don't have. That's right. She said, um, she said that I have seen things that others have not seen. And I've heard mm-hmm. his voice that others have not heard. Mm-hmm. And she said, God is just. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being so convicted. Even as like a teen, I was convicted. But I was really yeah. convicted because if she can say that yeah. God is just and she gives her yeah. even rewards, not rewards in heaven, but the, the the presence, like the overwhelming presence of God here on earth, it's it's it really makes the temporary pain of her physical body seem yeah. like nothing in comparison yeah. to the glory and the presence of God that she experienced here on earth. That's right. right? Because she's not necessarily talking about in heaven, my body will be yeah. complete. She's saying, I have already heard That's and right. received That's right. from God. That's right. And it does not compare to the pain yeah. of this world. And I think sometimes it made it made me think like, what am I really like? Wh- what am I complaining? Like, what is mm-hmm. my sense of God's justice? Right? Yeah. Because God hasn't given me my new car. Because God hasn't given me whatever it is. Like she's saying, God is just. You know, yeah. am I really experiencing that here on earth? Yeah. You know? That's good. I'm sorry for that little detail. Sua, Sua, why are you crying? There. I can't even ask the silly questions now. And like, I feel like <laughs> now, like you set a mood, a, such a spiritual mood, no, like got, a I real got, powerful I was in the time. barn. Like I was in John's barn because the oh. people were here and um, they were doing deep cleaning my house. And so I was, I was exiled into the barn and I remember mm. I was listening to the song. And oh my gosh, I got so convicted. No, that's a great song. And, and, and for that woman, she truly knows God. Like that, she truly, I'm so embarrassed. truly knows God in <laughs> the most deepest and intimate. You know, to me, those are like the top, you know, 1% of Christian. Like these are people that 
you know, these are like what you read, like Paul the Apostle. I mean, he was being dragged to prison, literally half dead. And he says, hey, do you mind if I just stop and just share with the people who try to kill me a little bit about who Jesus is? Mm -hmm. You know, like that's a different level. That's like Paul being in jail and he's literally rejoicing. And he's and he writes one of the most profound letters in the New Testament, which is a book of joy, which is Philippians. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, how do you do yeah. that? Like you're in prison shackles. You're like dying. You're you know, you have physical issues and yet you can still write a book about joy. I mean, it's just yeah, that that's like a different level. And um, I mean, I, I wish we all can aspire to get to that place, to know God in that depth where no matter what happens to us externally, even internally, that we're still solid because, you know, God is the rock in which we stand. So he's the that's ultimate beautiful. weak pastor. He's the ultimate weak pastor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do one serious question, maybe get get us out of this state what? of vulnerability and some tears. Uh, I do love it when you cry though. I really do. But I feel like so I don't no, want to three. Gio made us cry. Yes, right. Oh man, Gio made me cry. Gio made me cry. Mm. So but I want to ask this. So I you already kind of answered it, but like how do you so like you know like with your friends you you know you you dealt with the you know they disappointed you you kind of cut them off and stuff like that but I, the question i want to ask you is how do you deal with people disappointing you particularly the ones like you know like your husband john maybe your kids maybe your parents maybe your brother maybe your in-laws whatever like or your other friends that you have right now like how do you deal with people when they disappoint you now like we knew what you did back then but like what do yeah. you do now when people actually disappoint you because you're not going to ghost john right you're just not going to do that but how do you deal with people when they disappoint you because i think i think we really struggle with that because a lot of us we've been so hurt by people that now we don't want to get disappointed because we're afraid like they're going to hurt us first or we're trying to hurt them back you know we want to hurt them yeah, first yeah. before they hurt us so how do you sua deal with people disappointing you today I'm not sure if this is going to answer it. I'm just going to do it, try to do it kind of quickly. To oh, me, I mean, that's I'll, nice. I mean, I'll, ultimately, it's just, I think it's very difficult to be that disappointed with people when you're too overwhelmed with your own disappointment in yourself. <laughs> like, okay, so for example, I'll give you this example. Okay. Like John recently, um, I like to plan my trips ahead. Like I'm yeah. a planner. I like to yes. book things a long time before. So yes. Um, I think I said on the podcast recently that I'm going to Rome. We're going to Rome in March. I booked my hotel like 14 months ago. I'm pretty sure I said mm. this also on the podcast. Yes. So recently it's about three months. It was like about three months before. So it was like January. So I emailed the hotel because I'm like, okay, I need to book a shuttle now. So I need to book a shuttle from the airport to your hotel. And the guy goes, we don't have a reservation under your name. And I'm like, what do you mean? So I forward him the reservation number. I go, no, I made this reservation like in like last summer you know, or like earlier. And he goes, Oh, yes. He goes, that reservation was canceled, because we sent you an email to pay your deposit, and you didn't. And the email went to john. Okay. And I told john to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at oh, it. Oh, that's I a go, disappointment. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, okay, now we're going in like three months. And we don't have a hotel. And um, for the same amount of price, we're gonna have a crappy hotel because it's everything's booked. Um, but you know, how can I be mad? Because I do stuff like that all the time. <laughs> like, okay, like for example, like Janelle and Steve, our friends, um, yeah. were over, like, went to, came to visit this past weekend. And I went to the, the restaurant. I had made reservations for us to go because it's a really busy place. And I go at 7. I'm like, I have a reservation at 7. And the guy goes, your reservation was at 6.30. <laughs> 
And I'm just like, what? I thought it was at seven. So I look at the email, it says 6.30. I'm like, oops. And you know, I do this stuff all the time. And I feel like I can't hold myself to a different standard and then hold John to a different standard. Like we're both just flawed human beings. And okay. it's kind of like, and I think that's the analogy for most mm, things in my life. Always like, looking, yeah. I have so much like stuff that I do wrong. Yeah. Um, And so for most things, I'm not that disappointed. The okay. things that really disappoint me are the things that I would say are like, quote unquote, my strength, which is when people like, because I think I'm naturally tuned to justice issues. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how God's created me. Yeah. And so that's why when people say things that are so privileged and unaware of the oppression that exists, that really triggers me. And that's why the worst version of me comes out yeah. for most other things. Yeah. I don't really think it really affects me. Okay. So I think, I think the, what you're saying, and if, if the audience caught it, which I'm pretty sure you guys did, uh, is just before you cast the stone, take a look at yourself. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. sounds a lot more biblical. Take a look at like, yourself. Yeah. Just, just take like, a look you at yourself. Suck, we're all you can't really people. yell at others. Like if you yeah. suck yourself, like how can I judge other people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh man, you know Brian Stevenson. Uh, he spoke at Midwinter. I was at a pastor's conference, that. and uh, man, Sua, it was wow! It was so amazing. And he shares something at the end that I think really correlates with what you just said. So he was representing this guy. He was gonna get executed within a month, mm -hmm. and he calls Brian and says, "Could you please represent me?" And Brian looked at it as like, "Well, you're already scheduled for execution. There's not gonna be much I can do." But of course, he took the case and he took yeah. the case. And as he did the research, he realized that this guy has an intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. And if you have an intellectual disability, the courts, it's illegal. It's, they will not execute you if you have an intellectual yeah. disability. But yet they did for this guy. And so he he applied to the appeals courts, federal courts. They all said it's too late. Nope, he's going to be sentenced to death. And so an That's hour before, so yeah, an hour before he uh, was executed. He was waiting for the Supreme Court ruling. And of course, you know, they said, sorry, it's too late. He's going to get executed. So he called, he called How the guy. How is that fair? Yeah, he called the guy and it's injustice in every way. And he told him. And he realized that the guy had also speech impediment. Mm. He was wailing. He was crying. He couldn't get his words out because, you know, and, and this took me back because like my sister has a speech impediment. So when you, when you're like super emotional, anxious or nervous, you just can't get your words mm. out. And he couldn't get his words out. And then he just says, you know, after he calmed down and just says, you know, Mr. Stevenson, I just want to thank you so much for mm. fighting for me. Thank you so much for representing me in court. And then he just said, Mr. Stevenson, I just want to say that I love you very much for trying to, um, you know, get me free and trying to, you know, not get the death penalty. And so he hung up the phone and, you know, within an hour he was executed. And Brian just said, he, he's like, God, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm mm. done. I just, I, this is too painful. I, ju I just can't do this anymore. And he said, God says something to him in his prayer that he showed him something he'd never seen before. He said to him, he said, Brian, you are not doing this. I didn't call you to do this because you're a lawyer. I didn't call you to do this job because nobody else wants to do it. You know, I didn't call you to do this because you're this real smart guy and you're going to be able to help these people. He said, I called you to do this because I want you to see you are just as broken as they are. Mm. And he said that when God shared that with him, it made all wow. the difference in the world. And he said, no matter what, no matter how painful it is, at the end of the day, wow. he does what he does 
not to help the broken, but he does what he does because he too is just as broken as mm -hmm. they are. And that's why he's serving them the best he can. And I'm just telling you, man, like wow. the whole place was bawling, man, after this guy preached. And I was just like, this guy is something Such special. Power. But, but that's really like what you were saying. You're just saying in a much more eloquent. Right. But way. but you're saying, I look at myself and I realize how messed up I am. So if somebody disappoints me, I think the message is take a good look at yourself first. Because our natural tendency is to just look at them and vilify them, but take a good look at yourself. So, okay. That's a that's that's that thank you for answering that fast. Um, I got I got a this is more of like it's light, but it's serious. Okay. And I want you to answer seriously. Is this a question that's gonna make us fight? Uh maybe. I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. So here we go. Sua, honestly, is it overrated? Like, is being rich being overrated? Are you asking me because I'm rich? Yeah. I mean, listen. You're not a billionaire, but you are rich, right? You, I'm not even a millionaire. Well, the way you guys, you, your husband's a doctor, you don't have to worry about money. That's being rich. Billionaire. You don't have like, to, forget about billionaire. I'm not even a yeah. millionaire. When you, when you guys don't have to worry about money, right? That's rich, right? And there was a time where you guys always had to worry about money because you didn't yeah. have much money. Yeah. So when you look at that, like, I, I just want, because I just, like, yeah, I, I just want to hear from you that I have my own commentary. But is being wealthy and wealthy is really when you don't have to worry about like where the next paycheck's coming. You're going to be able to pay your bills. That's wealth, right? And you guys have that because your husband's a surgeon. So what do you think? Is it like, is it overrated or is it actually really good? Did I? I mean, this is kind of unrelated, but um, Audrey, my younger daughter recently, we were walking somewhere and she goes, do you have $200,000? And I was like, no. And then she goes, okay, but $200? <laughs> I go, yes. What a, what a difference. <laughs> Her scale went from $200,000 yeah. to $200,000. <laughs> I was like, I do have $200. She was like, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know? <laughs> but um, it was like, okay, so it's, I feel very uncomfortable saying I am rich but if we if we're gonna say it yeah you I mean, are I'm you, not, you have to embrace but I'm so rich. are you yeah. so yeah. right so yeah. i feel like do i do i think much less about bills now than i did before in my life when i used to work for an organization called metro <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yes i think about it much less now right i'll tell you what is really nice when i was at metro i remember um you guys as executive pastor now steve bang was sitting with me in my office and i remember saying to him steve do you know what i think is like the definition for me of being rich like how i'll know like i've made it i was like i think i'll know i've made it if i go to a restaurant and i can open like i can order like appetizers and dessert yeah <laughs> like that's how you know like yeah I'd, yeah because when i would go to a restaurant like you can either order appetizers or dessert. Forget drinks. No one gets drinks. Everyone drink tap water. Exactly, Bottle water, man. screw that. I'm not getting I'm not paying for See, that's, drinks. That's the immigrant way. That's the yeah. immigrant way. That's you you completely have yeah. a Korean immigrant mentality there. Yeah. It's like, excuse me, no drinks. Water's no tap water is good. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but now I can order appetizers and dessert. And so <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It is really nice to be able to go out and eat and not sit there and stress out about if I order this extra um, dish, like, will I be able to pay for it at the end of the month? Like, that's really nice. Like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I feel like you have something to say. No, 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 no. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Because I, okay. I do have something to say. Okay. That. So that yeah. I feel like that's very nice. Yeah. Um, 
to be honest, I am very, very, and I am not just saying this, like I am genuinely, sincerely so thankful that God has given us more money at this point in our lives than when I was in my 20s or like even early 30s, I want to say. Yeah. Like, because I think that um, I'm, I feel like we're at a place in our lives where it's much easier to see that there are more important things in life right. than materialist material things. Okay. Um, not that we're completely free from that because I yeah. still like buying nice things. John still likes buying nice things. We have a pretty nice house. But I think when I was in my 20s, I had a real, real strong desire for nice things. Like I wanted designer bags. I wanted like a fancy car. Like I would lust after these things yeah. because I felt like it communicated to me a certain type of success that I had. Right. Right. Like I had arrived, you know, or communicated right. to others, like, look at my life. Like I'm right. great. Right. But I think that now in my thirties, especially in my late thirties, like those things don't appeal to me as much as they did back then. And so I think on one level, it's much easier for me to not get swept away by that. But secondly, I don't know if I ever told this. Did I tell you the story about I don't know? Um, during our money episode, when we first moved to Columbus and John got his first job as an attending. Like we had a significant jump in our income, like significant because yeah. you pay like they pay you nothing at, as a as a resident. Yeah, um, nothing. Like so little, like minimum wage. Minimum and, wage. You know, I was also a like a director at a church, so like not really much money there either. <laughs> um, so together we were making that much. But I remember John got his first big bonus. It was the mm. first time we had ever seen a check with like that much money on it like yeah. ever in my life and man like it was nice like we cashed that like we deposited that check and we sat there and like we would look at the bank and be like dang like look at that money right mm -hmm. but the church that we were attending at the time um was doing a campaign for redoing their building um and john and i both felt very convicted that we had to give and mm -hmm. remember this is like at the beginning of our like john's journey as an attending it's yeah. not like now when we have savings and we have like yeah. started to do retirement yeah. plans like all these things this is like when we have we just started like it's yeah. like our, his yeah. first bonus yeah but we just felt really convicted that we had to give yeah and so we both decided to think of a number and we would give the higher number yeah john <laughs> chose such a high number it was like double what i had said we should give it was like essentially most of the bonus <laughs> and what am I going to say? Like, no, I can't. Yeah. Like, I'm supposed to be the one who worked at a church. Like, That's I'm supposed right, to be girl. the only one. Like, OE of little faith. So I was like, all right, let's do it. So we gave it. And then it was, it was a lot. Like, it was more than like an entire year of tithes that we had given at Metro. Mm -hmm. Okay. It was a, a lot. Yeah. Um. And then the, the and you know what? There was some joy in the giving, but there was a lot of anxiety too. Because we were like, oh my gosh, like I've never even held this amount of money in my hands. Like, and we're giving it to the church. The next day, John is lying there in bed. And I'm like, do you not, are you not going to work? And he goes, I have no cases. And listen, for a trauma surgeon, if you don't get cases, you don't get paid. Mm. Okay. You get paid for what you work. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean you have no cases? He goes, I have no cases. And of course, now we're panicking because I'm like, we just, gave this amount of money and what do you mean you have no cases like is god playing a joke on us mm. you know 
And like that whole week was so slow. And I just remember John and me, like we were laughing because we were like, oh my gosh, I think God is like really testing us. Like, I think God's like, the, and I, we really felt like God yeah. was like, who do you trust? Yeah. Like, who are you placing your trust in? That's right. Right. If you have that amount of money, do you think that I won't give you more? Like if you yeah. needed it, like, do you think that that's where your security comes from? The amount of yeah. money that you had saved up? Yeah. Ironically, we moved out of that church. And John sometimes looks back on it and says, man, I should have not given it to that church, <laughs> you know, because he's like, oh, he's like, I should have given it to the new church. But, you know, I, I really firmly believe that God received our first offering. And I think if we gave that amount now, I don't think it would mean the same yeah. as when we gave that amount then, because yeah. that was before we bought any of the things that we had wanted. We had not upgraded our life. Like We had not done anything except we got it and we gave it to him. That's and I right. feel like God received that, you know, and that's the kind of mentality that we try to continue. That was well, a very long answer. Well, I, but I think, I think, but that's the reason why I, I think there's a lot of people who might be listening who like really longs to get rich. And I'm not saying it's, it's a bad thing, but I just think it's so overrated. It's so overrated to sacrifice. Well, and dessert is not overrated. Huh? No, it's overrated. It's appetizers so o- and dessert is really nice. No, appetizers and desserts. Okay, listen. To me, it's to 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 forfeit. You know, to forfeit your life or your even your spiritual life for the sake of wealth. Um, it's really a sad a sad reality. And I think there's so many Christians today that are unfortunately just really wanting wealth. They want to be rich, and they don't want to be, I guess, wealthy in you know in spiritually in a way in a deeper way and so i think that's hard do you miss sua do you miss the old days when you couldn't when you really had to limit your types of vacations you go on because you said in a couple podcasts ago that you don't have to worry about vacations and where you get the money for that like do you miss the old days though like do you miss sometimes when you were like you know when there was some scarcity I know you want me to say yes, but I don't miss it at all. Okay. Okay. No, no, that's important. That's important. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't miss it at all because I think it was, I mean, I had to not, I couldn't even send Lila to uh, preschool every day because I couldn't make the ends meet. Like she could only go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. 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 You know, like little things like that. And now I don't ever have to feel like, um, and not to say that that's like had any real like negative permanent impact on her life or anything like that. But um, would I take away that period of my life? No, because I definitely mm-hmm. think that it was in those moments when I was able to prioritize. Like I say to John, like I say to John a lot, like even though the tithing and the giving that we do to our church now is so much more in quantity than we did when I used to live in Inglewood, it's yeah. such a less impact on us now because we don't have to actually change our quality of life necessarily to give versus when we gave when we used when we used to be in inglewood it meant no preschool for my kid it meant no Mm. vacation Mm. this summer it meant something that we were sacrificing and i think that to be honest probably is a lot more meaningful of a way to give than to give when it doesn't really impact you well but but i think what that did was that it it you know, so this is the thing. Like, God, I think will trust you guys with the money more, and because you are thinking about giving it away, right? You're thinking you're you're gonna at least give the minimum of a tithe, you know, in that way. I guess the question I have for you, and this will be the last one before we wrap up, um, is 
So have you guys like increased your tithe now that you guys have more money coming in? Have you increased your generosity? I mean, the amount is going to be, of course, higher because he's making you guys are making a lot more of an income. But have you guys thought, okay, you know what? Because we've been blessed, let's give more. Let's increase our giving so that we can continue to like kind of advance the kingdom of God. Like, where are you guys on that? So we um we are not increasing like our tithes necessarily, but I think that um we give to project-based things now. So I mean, a lot of them are like through the church. It's a weird situation for us because even though John's income is significantly more, um, for somebody who's a resident, they're taking 10 years of their lives where they're basically suspended from like reality. So they like he had no we had no retirement savings at like 34. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we're starting really late because it's not like I was gonna start saving for retirement when he like we couldn't even make ends meet. So we would just defer everything and say, Okay, when you graduate and become an attending, then we'll start save like extra to yeah. make up for the difference. And so I think we're at the phase right now where we're trying to figure out um like do the responsible basis, like cover the responsible basis, like, you know, save for retirement, save for the kids to school, things like this. But then John and I recently did talk about how after we do all those numbers, we should try to figure out like how much we can give after, because we do definitely think that, um, you know, like my, my favorite person, Tim Keller once said (laughs) that giving is not giving without sacrifice. So yeah, if you're it's giving be something and there's no yeah. sacrifice for you, yeah. that's yeah. not a real gift. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely have that in mind when John and I talk Good. about like how much can we give. So that our would be, expectation and, is yes. And yeah, and that would be my encouragement to you guys because I think it has to be sacrificial and it has to, and you guys should give, you know, give more if God's blessed you with more in that way. And God can, you know, God will take care of you. He'll take care of you, you know, and you be the responsible person that you can be with whatever you guys got to do, invest and all that stuff for your retirement, for your kids. But at the same time, I think you can do that simultaneously. It doesn't have to be either or like you, I think, you know, you guys are at a place where you, it's a both hand. You can do both at the same time. And, uh, and maybe it's slower, you know, slower, but, but do it. And I think it'll be even better. Um, I, 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 what I find to be one of the most tragic things, Sula, is when people only live for money, when money becomes their God and they think being rich is going to truly lead to joy, being wealthy. I think being wealthy is fun. I think it's fun for you to be able to order, you know, dessert and appetizers, but it doesn't, (laughs) doesn't bring joy, especially you're going to gain weight, you know, and stuff like that too. So excuse me, what? Yeah, you just gonna like it's like do do all the desserts you want, but at the end of the day, like you know, too much of a good thing is not even that good. But I just I think what I find so tragic, and this is the thing, and we raise our children to be wealthy, but we don't raise our children to be faithful to God, mm. right? And that's just the reality. And we all have to take responsibility for that. Everyone, you included, me. But we raise our children to be wealthy. We don't raise our children to be faithful to Jesus, and that's I think one of the reasons why kids are growing up. And they're not really taking it that seriously. And I just think that's one of the reasons why American Christianity is dying in America is because we're just, that's what we're doing. And especially an immigrant family, it's like, that's what it's all about. Like be wealthy and, you know, give to Jesus, but like, don't be like, you know, being faithful and giving all yourself to him is just something, you know, you, it's an option kind of a thing. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I think it's convenient but at the end of the day, yeah, you know, I mean, at the at the end of the day, is I hope that everyone can be successful, wealthy, whatever it might be. But uh, but that we also realize that you know what, if you give to God, you're never gonna outgive Him, right? And like, look at where you where you guys are now. You gave that first bonus check, a lot of it away, and look at where you are now. I think God, you know, there's there's a deeper sense of trust there, and God will bless you. I with just more. want to set the record straight that we are not very very wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yo, Sula, um, like I mean, wealthy. I know some people that are like we extremely wealthy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I just feel like you it's know, relative, it's, but you're wealthy, right? Because you never have to worry about money. And I think that at that at that point, you're wealthy. And you know, and do I'm you worry about money? Certain, of course. Yeah, but that's because <laughs> you your kids are in college. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because I don't, you know, I I don't make the kind of income that you make, but. I still think even and this is why it's it's harder for me to say it and people won't believe I just think wealth is so overrated. It's so overrated because I've seen how it destroys people's lives. And I think it's so overrated. I've seen okay, people work so pause. hard. I yeah. think wealth is overrated if you are imagining that wealth for yourself. I don't think wealth is overrated if God's gifted you with that special, very desirable <laughs> gift that I'm sure a lot of people want to be. Like, yes. you know, the stewards who who really support the things that God wants you to support. I don't think it's overrated in that sense yes. because I actually know people who God has give, given them so much wealth and the things that they've been able to support through their giving yes. have literally changed like hundreds and thousands of lives. Absolutely. And so I feel like wealth is overrated if you're specifically looking at it from the context of how can I make this to better my yes. own life. Yes. But wealth is not overrated if you use it the way God tells you to use it. Then I think we see pretty amazing things. But it's a very dangerous, it's a double-edged sword. So I don't I don't fully agree with that because I think that's that's a scapegoat that people could say just to become wealthy. Right? But will they really do it when they have it? So are it? you saying that yeah. all people who are wealthy are less happy than people who are not wealthy? Yes. I agree. I I, that, I would say yes to that. I would say yes to that. Just because I just think, you know, I think it's a lot harder to be truly joyful when you're wealthy than when you're not. Hands down. That's not even a question. Hands down. Um, and I think it's really great when Christians can really do, and there are Christians, but I just think it's a very small group of them that are able to really use their wealth to bless the things of God um, than the ones that are really actually, you know, wanting to be wealthy for the sake of just themselves. And I just I just don't think it's worth committing your whole life to. I don't think it's worth being miserable to. Like if you're if this is what God's called you to do and you're loving it, go for it. Right. But if like you're miserable and you're doing it just to be wealthy, man, I think that's like such a, a terrible compromise of your life. You know, I just think it is. And it's just so difficult. It's so I difficult. It's, I guess it's really hard for me to imagine it because um I, as somebody who grew up very financially comfortable most of yeah. my formative years, I've never really thought about money. Like, yep. I mean, even when I chose my jobs, like I've never really looked at money as a factor, which is why I switched out of a business school and went into social work, which <laughs> no, is why I switched you, you out of a, your job and went into yeah, church. Which is why I switched from a job that pays really little to a pay, job that pays yeah. even less. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. it's, I mean, and I'm not saying this to be like, oh, I'm such a saint. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not like, you know, like oppressed by the demon of money or something like that. What is it called? Mammon? Like I'm not, you know, but at the same time, like, yeah. Um, yeah, I can totally see how that is, but I guess for me yet, I have not really, I feel like, well, I think, I think you and John have a real good posture and how you see wealth and how you see your money and how you use your money. Right. And how, cause no, like, listen, it doesn't matter how much money you have. You can still be in debt. I mean, there are like, football players that make a hundred million dollars and they're in debt right now. Right. But I just want to say that us, you speaking this way and ending our podcast 
interview <laughs> with wealth is literally not going to do much for people wanting to sponsor us because they're just going to be like, Snua is super rich. I'm not yeah. that rich, you guys. I, we still need sponsors. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, right, right, right. No, You're but I'm just saying. You're shooting yourself in the foot, PP. No, I'm just saying what what uh, the reality is is that it doesn't matter how wealthy you are. It's relative, right? Because no matter how you can still be in debt, no matter how much money you make, right? So I think you guys have a good understanding of money, and you and you and you're good stewards of it, which is a really really good thing. And I think that's the way to go. But the reality is, is that I, I think what I'm trying to get at is that. And this is hard for me to say because I part of it is that I don't have that kind of I don't have money for for me to say it with power. But I just think if you're miserable and you're not connecting with your family, you're not connecting with your wife or your husband or your kids well because you're always working. I just think it's not worth it. It's not worth it. But if you feel like God's calling you to do something, you have a gift and and you're becoming wealthy, go for it. Keep doing it because like like you said, some people have the gift to really make money. And God's given it to you, and you're doing things that you just love, and, and great things are happening. But I also see in my congregation, there are so many people that are unhappy, but they're doing it because they got to pay the bills. They're miserable, but they got to do it because they're they have, they have chosen to live a certain standard that they have to try to maintain, and yet they're willing to make, you know, they're willing to sacrifice a lot of themselves for it. And that's the kind of wealth I think that's really bad. And you don't want that kind of wealth. You you should just, you know, you should just give that up and live the life that God wants you to live, you know, and uh and 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 really live for joy in that way. So I think that's kind of where I was getting at. So yeah, and and I was hoping you'd be like, Yeah, it's right, it's not worth it. I miss those old days when we were struggling and scramping. But I think that really shaped you for where you are now and like kind of the way you see life now. I think it really shaped I mean, you I don't in some ways. I want to sound tone deaf. Like it wasn't yeah. like I was ever not I mean, I was clear I was still exercising and dieting at that point. So it's not like I was like ever poor where like I couldn't eat. Like I'm not saying yeah, that I was I actually yeah, poor. Yeah. But God forbid people think daycare. like but you couldn't send your kid to daycare. Yeah, but she was still going to daycare. Like I was still paying for a very nice daycare. Like so, it's all relative, like you said. Yeah. But I'm just saying, uh, there were certain cuts that needed to be made in that lifestyle versus now. It's much rarer that I ever need to like, you know, like if I limit myself, it's not because I don't have money. It's because I know this is not healthy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, not like physically healthy, but like overall healthy. Yeah. 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 So I've well, imposed my own limits. I only got through about five of my questions and I have a lot more to ask you. So there will be a part two, but there's one here that I think might be a hard one for you. So I'm going to have to give you some time to prepare for that question. Um, one day I'll share it with you one later, day. but you're going to have to share it with the audience when I ask you this question, because I think it'd be kind of cool for you to confess this in front of everyone. Okay, first of all, you're great. going on and about on, on, on on and on without telling people what the actual question is. All right, so here here it is. Here it is. Here's I'm going to I'm going to cuz I think it's going to take you a long time. Is this a cliffhanger? It's a cliffhanger? Yeah, well this will be to be continued. Sua Huang, what was the darkest thing you have ever done in your life? All right, think about it. Like it, the, the reason why I think this is going to be hilarious is because you're going to say something like I stole a pencil when I was in 5th grade. Like I mean, that to me I have is never stolen like in my life. Oh my gosh. Ever. Oh gosh. You are so unrelatable. <laughs> but anyway, man. the darkest thing you have ever done in your life. I, I I think I think our audience needs to know this. All right. So see, you don't even know. So you're gonna have to think through that. You don't have one? 
I can't Maybe. think of any. Yeah, I know you can't think of one. No, I mean, no, probably giving my daughter it. the pizza crust. I mean, to be honest, I don't. You know what? That you know I, that that wasn't so. I, I get it, but if that, only that's, I had some money. See, I, now I, I still would... think about that, and I still think I just can't believe you and John did that, man. I just can't. I mean, I just can't believe you and John. Only Metro would have given us a fair wage. I'm just oh, kidding. God, oh God, man! I still can't believe you and John did that to your daughter, man. I, I'm gonna, does she know this? Does she remember? Yeah, well, she knows now because I I talked about it recently, and she got really upset. Yeah, I, I she totally deserves to get upset. Like, mom, how could you give me the crust? Yeah, but the other child was like, the crust is the best part. So. <laughs> Anyway, okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for part two. We'll do that. And uh, hopefully you'll tune in and please no like us on Facebook, Instagram, yes, comments, like uh, what, what, org. if you have any questions and uh, if you'd like to spread the word, we'd love it. All right. So have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Bye.